Hey everyone, and welcome back to my first season. My guest today worked for Club Med from 1994 to 2006. Her first season was in Club Med Sandpiper as an excursions geo, and she held other positions such as reception, ski instructor, IGO trainer, and recruitment and affectations. My trilingual guest grew up in Florence, Italy, and she has a bachelor's degree from Harvard University in Italian Renaissance art history. She now lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and she is here to regale us with her many, many Club Med stories. Who is this Renaissance woman? Well, it is the one and only Shahima Arshad. Shahima, how are you? Hi, how are you? I'm great. I did practice saying your name all day, so I hope I nailed it. Nailed it. What's your first name mean, if I may be so bold to ask you? It's a, actually, it's a Turkish name that means beauty of the mind. Wow, okay. I I'm never... not Turkish, but the name is. Okay. <laughs> well, I never met another Shahima. You are truly the only one I've ever met. I guess you've you. never, have you ever met another? Uh, the woman I'm named after, but that's it. It's an extremely rare name. So you probably won't ever meet another Shahima. Oh boy, there must be a story there, but I don't want to, I don't want to digress from, <laughs> from the Club Ed one. So we'll, we'll keep it, uh, we'll keep it to your origin story for now, because, so we know you started in 94, but, yeah. and I'm assuming that when you went to Harvard, like before Harvard, did you ever go to Club Med uh, as a guest on vacation? No, never, never heard of it. I had no idea what it was. When did you first hear about Club Med? I had graduated and I was working in a museum as a research assistant to a curator. And I really wanted to do the opposite of school. So a friend of mine said, oh, you should go work for Club Med or a cruise ship. And I had no idea what she was talking about. So we went into a travel agency because at the time there were still travel agencies and the Club Med brochure, the catalog was there with all the different villages. And I was looking at the pictures and thinking, these are beautiful places and the people look fantastic and I want to be one of them. So I applied, sent in my my application and the rest and of where, history. Where did you apply from? I was here in Boston and I sent a letter to the time it was HR uh, was in the Sandpiper offices. So they called me up right away and I may, maybe three days after I mailed my letter and they offered me a job to come the next day without signing a contract, without doing an interview, without doing any of that. They said, we'll fly you down. If you like it, you sign a contract after the week is up. Okay. And if not, we'll fly you home. This seems to be in, moving pretty fast for you, right? Yeah. That was a, that was a shocker. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I wish mine was that fast, but it wasn't. Okay. But, uh, and of course, well, Sandpiper, I guess. So were you thinking of the Caribbean or Mexico or someplace exotic? And when they said Florida, were you like, huh? Yeah. That was when I was like, kind of thinking, do I want to take this job? They want me right away. I don't know anything about it, but it was one of those gambles you take because it was cold. It was November in Boston. And I just wanted to be someplace different. I wanted to be around people my own age. And I didn't want to be inside in a library doing research. I wanted to be outside and having fun. I think you made the right call. Yes, for yes. sure. So what do you uh, what do you remember about arriving that first day or first week in Sandpiper? How is, uh, is your memory fresh? Is it vivid? Yeah, it is. It was, again, completely different. I did not know what to expect. And because it was so quick. They didn't tell me about things like crazy signs or shows. So that was, I knew nothing. I just thought I was going to be a tour guide in a resort and I was going to have an opportunity to use different languages. So I got there and I got to the the bar area and people are, you know, in, in some kind of a dress code and they're talking to all the guests, which I thought was unusual. And then they did the show. And my eyes were humongous, but I thought that, yes, I'd hit the jackpot because I am not shy. And then they did the more dancing after the show with the crazy signs, right? Oh, yep. Yep. That was, you know, learn, learn pretty quickly how to do hands up. Okay. <laughs> you didn't think you were going to have to do it 17 times a day though, right? I'm sure. No, okay. no. <laughs> All right. So yeah, you were, you were hoping to, uh, you know, meet people, translate some stuff. So I think we should mention this point. You did grow up in Florence, Italy. So that I mentioned you were trilingual. So you speak yes. Italian, English, and French, correct? Correct. Yes. 
Okay. Very international. And where did you learn French? I learned French in school, middle school, high school. But I think that because I am bilingual, having been raised in Italy, it just gives you a, a different ear for languages. So it was very easy for me to pick up French. But again, it was school French and not slang French, which is something that I learned at Club Med. You, you learned slang French? Yeah, I learned I learned sort of the idiomatic expressions and learned how to just speak French all the time. I'm wondering if you were surrounded by Quebecois geos or French geos in this uh, in this first season of yours. In or this both, first season, it was actually French from France. Um, okay. I was I was yeah I I got a lot of French from the um, the guests that were coming. All right, they were so, all coming for for Disney World primarily. Do you recall meeting your chief of village, Howard McCarley? I do, and Howard had gone to Dartmouth, so he was very excited to have a Harvard person join his team. So there, he and was, I wait, uh, wait, hit wait it a off minute. Right there was away. no there was no teasing though. Doesn't Dartmouth and Harvard have a oh, rivalry? Yeah, or, of course okay. there was. Okay. Of course there was. <laughs> but yeah, no, we got along. We got along very well right from the beginning. Okay, and uh, excursion geo. So how many excursions were you? Like, I guess, was there, was there 10? Like, I have no idea what this excursion situation was like in 94 and Sandpiper, but how many roughly did you have? Uh, yeah, we had, a, actually, we probably had 15 or so different excursions and we guided about eight of them. Uh, there were two of us that were actually doing the guiding. I was very lucky to work with Teresita Cuellar, who uh, then married Nikos Stergio of the restaurant. And Teresita and I, would go to Disney World and do the Magic Kingdom and Epcot, or on a different day, we would do Universal Studios and SeaWorld, and one would do one and one would do the other, but we'd take the bus up to, together, or we'd do tours to Miami, uh, Palm Beach. I learned how to do an entire space shuttle launch in French for going for trips to Cape Canaveral, and then we actually would do day trips to Paradise Island and Key West by small plane. Wait a minute, you went to Cape Canaveral? Yep. Wow. I didn't know that. What was that like? Yeah, that was fun. I I'd never, I, I saw, I think about five or six space launches during my time that I was there and it was pretty exciting. You saw, you saw shuttle launches? Yeah, it was oh, cool. Wow. Yeah, wow, it was cool because it would, the, 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 the shuttle would rise and then you could see traveling across the intercoastal waterway, the sound waves, and then it would hit you but you would see them arriving across the water before the noise hit. And that was really cool. Oh, I, no one's ever mentioned this in like almost three years of this podcast. So you're, you're the first to mention this. I had no idea like that was an actual excursion. That's <laughs> pretty cool. Yep. Yep. It was fun. All right. So what else was fun about that first season? I, I know, you know, I should say that. Yeah. Well, I did mention you, you worked uh, for many years in club ed, so I don't know when you want to, because you did summer 95 also right after with Howard, yeah. correct? So you stayed about yeah. uh, a year, I said? I would say closer to like uh, nine months I did in Sandpiper. And it was, it was a great, it was great experience. I mean, I, I, I think what's interesting about Club Med is it's the people that make the difference. So it's the family that you choose. It's the tribe of friends that you select and therefore it, it, it becomes special. I think those of us that stay a long time stay because of the people that we have met. And that was definitely true for me and Sandpiper. I loved it. Well, I'll let you steer this. You tell me what you want to talk about for the first season, because I don't know when to move on because you did so many villages. So if there's something <laughs> you want to you want to hit in particular, you 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 tell me or else. we. Can I, move I will on. say so. that I will say um, before we move on to. Yes. See the mountains, which is really where my my heart ended up. What Sandpiper was special to me uh, was because I learned how to play the game really early on. I was surrounded by some of the greats of Club Med in the nineties. The offices, like they, like I said, the HR offices were there. So I had the regionals of what every service whether it was the restaurant the bar the animation and the whatever it was they were coming through sandpiper and because teresita's then husband or husband nikos was was the was the restaurant regional i got to meet all of them and so i kind of got into this little category of i know what's going on behind the scenes of club med and it just it became 
really special to to have all of these multinational, multilingual people that have been in it a long time guiding me through like, okay, when you get a break, take a break. Because this is before we had days off. This was excursions. Luckily, we did get time off because we'd get up so early and be gone all day. So they would give us breaks. But otherwise, geos were working nonstop. So learning how to take that pause and sleep that was important. And they taught me that. So you could nap at any any time you wanted? Like if like I if, could. Okay. Yeah. So your head would hit the you're one of those your head would hit the pillow mm-hmm. and you'd be out. Wow. So I'd be out. Okay. <laughs> I know how to sleep on the bus. Like when you go and you put in uh, uh you're talking on the bus on on your way up to Orlando, you're doing the tour, but on the way back down, you put a pop in a movie in French, usually Mrs. Doubtfire in French. Oh really? And oh yeah. That or Beethoven in French, and then you fall asleep. Okay. Did you ever try and do any stand-up on that, Mike? Uh, do you have some some oh, go-to sure. jokes? Okay. Oh yes, yes, all of that. Uh, whether <laughs> yeah, yes, I ended up doing flash cabaret in various seasons, both in English <laughs> and in French. So yes, jokes okay. forever. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I remember flash cabaret. That's why we can't talk about it. Okay, that's um, why we can't. Okay. Nope, <laughs> we just did it. <laughs> All right. So it's it's uh, funny or ironic that you, you know, you're in Boston, it's winter, they propose Sandpiper, you go, you know, you know, escape the winter, but then for some reason, you willingly go to the winter, you go to Copper Mountain, your next well, season. So, <laughs> so they actually offered me Morea, which oh. is kind of weird that they would offer me after basically two seasons Morea. And I said, no. At the time, I thought I needed to go back to the real world. I went home, didn't want to go back to the real world and i wanted to be where all of my friends from sandpiper had ended up and that by by luck happened to be copper mountain so i went to copper mountain and they didn't have excursions in copper so i went as reception yes and you were there with my chief village for my first season jean-pierre grand so so he must have went to uh so i did turks and caicos with him in 94 so this must have been one of his uh, second villages after turks so yep. recep- reception geo, was that much yeah. different from excursion? Uh, did, no, not actually. No, not really. Because um, because it's a ski resort, you get out uh, fairly easily. You It's a different rhythm when you're in a ski village. So the middle of the day, mornings and afternoons are pretty empty because everyone's out on the slope. So we as as the rest of the services could get out skiing too and hang out and have sort of a downtime. So yeah, it was similar, similar ability to be both in club med and out of club med that excursions had. And, uh, that was, that was a lot of fun. Did you know how to ski before you got there? I did. Okay. And were snowboards around then? Yep. Snowboards were around, um, still primarily skiing, but it was snowboarding as well. It was a family club med at the time. It then switched to adults, but at the time it was still family. So there were kids, there was a little mini club as well. And that was that that's where I found my people. That is where my heart ended up. Copper. Did you say copper started out as family and became singles? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So you were there with the families. And then, yeah. And then I stayed through till the end of Copper Mountain. I did every winter until it closed pretty much. And yeah, then it switched to it. Yeah. Because after your season with Jean-Pierre, I see you took a little break to teach. Is that right? I taught, yes, I was a therapeutic teacher. And then I went off to graduate school because I thought I was going to be a teacher. And I missed the mountains. So I went back as a ski instructor. Okay. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm having a hard time fathoming this because I'm from Montreal and I would never, ever do that. So I'm wondering what, it must have been really special for you because you, sound, you sounded like me in the beginning, East Coast, winters are horrible. They last forever, right? We love the summer, yeah. we love the beach, but something about, I don't know, the allure of the mountain or the people there really, really uh, changed you, right? Yeah, I think it was, well, first of all, you and I are used to East Coast skiing, which is ice, it's cold, it's not yeah. great snow conditions, it's kind of rinky-dink mountains with slow chairlifts, it's not fun. But then you head west, and it is beautiful blue skies with perfect white powder snow, big wide trails, you know, fast chairlifts, everything spread out, so it's just heaven. It's a really beautiful, beautiful environment to be in. 
And again, I think that pace of life that a winter village has that a summer village doesn't with the fact that because everything revolves around skiing, there are these breaks in the day so that you can really enjoy being in the village. You can take part in doing these activities and everyone's doing the same thing. So everyone's on that same flow. So your second time to Copper, you're with Oreo Stern. So how different were the seasons between Jean-Pierre Grant and Oreo Stern? Was there a different energy? Because Oreo was from Brazil, correct? Yeah, I, yes, yes and no. I think the en- energy you see it in the shows and in the the evenings more than anything, because again, because of the ski classes, the, the daytime is always the same, no matter who the chief of village is or who animation is, it's always kind of the same pace. The difference is the shows at night. And yeah, there was a difference in terms of animation and in choreography and, and excitement. I only did part of the season with Oreo. I had I was still teaching and then came in for an interim with them. So I wasn't there the full season. But yeah, it was a it was it's again, it's the animation that was different. Okay. Which one of these seasons was I don't want to give away the story yet because I find out what year it was. So you famously met Alberto Tumba. Yeah. I assume this was at Copper and which what do you recall the season it was? Was it yeah it was my it was it was with Jean Pierre Grand. Okay, um, let's uh, let's stop yeah. for a story break. Do you mind um, t- t- telling everyone, you know, leaving out? Well, actually, there's nothing to leave out because you're probably one of the only women in the world to turn down Alberto Tamba. I did. Or, or yes. tell our listeners who don't know who Alberto Tamba is, if you can just give us briefly who he was. As... Tomba la bomba. Um, he was an Olympic uh, world world champion ski, downhill skier, um, also did, competed in all the disciplines. He was the best of the best for a time there. Italian, very sort of arrogant, uh, womanizing, playboy skier. And he thought he was untouchable. And I spoke Italian and no one really else spoke Italian in Club Med. So he would ask me questions or his handlers would come to me for questions. I was working at reception at the time. And then he would flirt and he asked to take me out to dinner. And I remember Jean-Pierre Grand and uh, Silvio and Marie-Claire de Bortoli taking me into the office and saying, you know, you don't have to go. Like, are you going to be okay? This is Tomba. You know, he's got his expectations. And I was like, I think, I think I can handle him. So we went out for dinner and um, came back and sure enough, he wanted me to go with him. And I said, no, just flat out no and then the next day he came back to the reception desk and threw his gloves on the counter and said here have my gloves as a souvenir and I gave them back to him and said I have my own thank you oh then he gave me his phone number so I have his phone number okay (laughs) wait a minute wait a minute and I still said no (laughs) it's okay it's one thing to turn down a guy who's won five Olympic medals but it's another to not take the gloves you know what those could be worth right now (laughs) do you I know do you know how many that that was like the big debate of all the geos after this whole situation was whether or not I should have kept the gloves. And it ended up being a guys versus girl thing. The guys I, were all like, keep the gloves. Okay. But, uh, yeah. I, I'm, okay. I'm with that. What was the, and what was the, uh, the girl's reason for not taking the gloves? That I uh, stayed true to myself and that I didn't, didn't humble myself in any way to, to think that I just wanted you know, the fame part of it. Funnily enough, uh, when the, the following year, when I was there for with Ario, the same group with Rosignol came back minus Tomba. And some <laughs> of the other skiers that were there, like Tommy Moe and Tamara McKinney and Peekaboo Street, they all looked at me and they're like, you're the girl who said no to Tomba. We remember you. <laughs> and uh, and they put me in their Rosignol catalog, modeling some skis and some clothes as the girl who said no to Tomba. So that every time Alberto goes through the catalog, he has to see you, right? Okay. Yep, exactly. Okay. <laughs> nice. What a good story. All right. Good for you. I don't know yeah. if I could, I don't know if I could have done it, but hey, no. <laughs> but um, what am I going to say? Yes. Yeah, so after this season of uh, with Oreo Stern, you thought, you know what? I want to pursue a graduate degree, correct? Yes. Okay. Can I ask why you went to Stanford instead of? Harvard again is because someone told you that you should you should never go to the same school for like for two subsequent degrees. Is that why? Okay, so this is the nerd part of me. I got into Harvard, Stanford and Yale for grad school 
And I decided to do, again, something completely different. And I went off to Stanford because Harvard and Yale were too similar. And it was too similar to where I was on the East Coast where my family now lived. And I just wanted to do something unique. So off I went to Stanford. Uh, can I ask a dumb question? Sure. Who's, uh, who's quarterback of Stanford? This is uh, Elway. Oh, this was not. Elway has already gone, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's already <laughs> okay. gone. Okay. Yeah. Long, long gone. No, it was um, Stanford was not very good when I was there. I was there actually when Chelsea Clinton was a student at Stanford. And so it was always kind of fun to see if the Secret Service was around because then oh, you knew right. that Chelsea was there. So you'd yeah. like look for Chelsea, but then look for the Secret Service with their flat backpacks looking, trying, trying to pretend to be students. Okay. Oh, interesting. Was she in any of your classes? No, no, because I was in grad school and she was an undergraduate. Oh, that's right. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Okay. So now after that, then you come back to Club Med to continue at Copper? Yeah. So I got my degree and then I was teaching again. I got a degree in education and curriculum development and I was uh, designing curriculum and working with the arts and education, but I missed skiing and I missed the mountains and I missed the geo team there. So I came, I decided to come back and I came back as a ski instructor. Um, okay. So I did the whole stage to become a, a, a ski instructor. You did the stage at Copper? Yep. Yep. Okay. Now, is this where the infamous prank wars started or, is, or was this any season of Copper? There were prank wars. <laughs> there were always some kind of prank wars. Now, the, the, the biggest prank wars happened in my third third season as a ski instructor the last season of copper mountain so it would have been winter 2001 2002 that's when the prank wars really kicked off with angie as chief of village ah uh, um, yes of course angie Boucher. Yes. Ah, that yes. sounds right okay <laughs> yeah and that was up. that was more guys versus girls the whole village involved and we had sort of battles where we would get the master key and go in each other's rooms and take clothing and i i actually ended up taking all the clothes and freezing them and then hanging them on the uh, ski racks when people returned from ski classes. But it was all fun because at the end of the night, I did uh, I organized a massive Jello wrestling event for GMs and GOs to participate in, and it was a blast. Everyone had a blast. It was in the nightclub of Cl of Copper Mountain, which it's only one building, so it's there's no one's going outside. You're all in one space. The only problem with that was that I used red Jello, which dies people's skin oh okay <laughs> so the next day there are a lot of people that were really red well is there any color that wouldn't i mean green you'd have everyone Ooh. looking like the hulk right i mean true i uh, maybe yellow i could have gotten okay. away with a bit but nope we only yeah, had red yellow and and your uh Frank Wars notes to me, you also wrote ferrets. Now I'm kind of uh, yes. afraid, afraid and reluctant to ask you what Joe is the ferret story clean. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. So, okay. so Angie, and I think you've worked with her always had pets. Yes. At, and she, so she had at the time a bird, but she also had a ferret and Eric Goldberg, who at the time was our animator, chief of animation. He was also interested in the ferret. And when it was the girls' prank war, we tied up Eric to a column in front of the restaurant with his ferret in the cage <laughs> next to him so that every GM and GO on their way to breakfast would see Eric tied up to a column with a ferret. What, what's the idea? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I know Eric. I love Eric. <laughs> and I'd love to see this entrance a restaurant, but what's the, what was the gist behind it? Like what, what were you oh, trying just to that we say? Could, we, could, okay. we could just, you know, I mean, when it was their turn, they captured me and Danny Coney. I don't know if you remember Danielle, she was a, a choreographer and they put us in a cage and they padlocked it, but then they made the mistake as they ran away saying, you'll never figure out the combination. It's a famous war. So I just turned to Danny and I said, it's 1812. We just opened up the lock and walked out and, the guys did not like that, that we left right, right away. So they told someone who went to Harvard, famous yeah. war, and they didn't think you would figure yeah. out. Okay. No. Thanks. Okay. I know. On, <laughs> sure on behalf of those guys, friend. I apologize. Okay. <laughs> I, wouldn't have said, I wouldn't have said anything. Okay. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are garage parties? Was there a garage at Copper? Yeah, there was a big garage, and it was where we held our GO parties at, at Copper. 
and it was a blast. It was usually where you would keep sort of the just generic car and some of the cars for different treats of services, but we'd empty it out and decorate it. And no one knew where it was if you were a GM, so you wouldn't find it. But uh, we had a lot of fun in the garage parties. And the Geo band would sometimes play at the garage parties. And it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a blast. Oh, you had a Geo band there? Yeah, we had a, we had a really great Geo band at Copper Mountain. Shente uh, was part of it. And the late, great Stinky Dan Ward was part of it. Eric Turner, they were, they were our Geo band and it was, they were great. Okay. Well, in, in between Copper, let's let's talk about your summer season in Paradise Island. Angie wanted you to go to, you know, yeah. carry you away from the mountain, go to uh, yeah. Paradise Island. as a, So you were excursions, Geo and uh, iGeo. Yep. So what was it like going back to the beach? So when I, back when I first uh, decided to, to send in a letter to Club Med to work for them, the picture that struck me the most were the pictures of Paradise Island. And I thought, I want to go here. This is the one place at Club Med that I really want to go to. And I also one day want to be in this catalog. Like other people wanted to be chiefs of villages or chiefs of services. I wanted to be in the Club Med catalog. That was my ambition. And I did. I ended up being photographed for it. So I, I hit my goal. But Paradise was where I wanted to be. So when Angie said, come to Paradise, I was like, well, this is my chance to go. And that was a blast. Uh, excursions there are also a lot of fun because you're swimming with dolphins. You're going to Exuma for the day. You're doing tours of Nassau. Uh, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed uh, excursions there. You're meeting the four horsemen: Joker, Luca, horsemen. Renato, Peter. So tell me. So you you had some pretty epic prank wars with these jokers. Yep. I'm, I'm guessing those right? were. Yes. So the prank wars continued, and this turned into excursions and animation because we shared an office. Uh, versus the sports team. So a lot of us from Copper Mountain, including some ski instructors, had all ended up in Paradise for the summer. A lot of the reception team had ended up in Paradise. So I knew a lot of the, the characters both on the sports team and in the other services. So it was a, just a continuation of what we'd started in Copper Mountain. But then it got, it elevated. The sports team decided to move all of our furniture out into the arrivals area and into the, on stage. At one point we found all of our stuff on stage or wrapped in saran wrap. They, they like to throw Danny, the choreographer, into the pool. They locked us up in the, the luggage depot area, trying to, trying to escape from that. Excursions and animation are, are no joke when we put our brains together. So we, we did the, the long goal, the, a plan that, that took several weeks to unfold. Oh, we like, contacted, a, like a long con, you mean? Oh, yeah, the long okay. con. It was a good, it was, it was brilliant. We contacted the Paris office and we had Xavier Korn send a letter to Paradise saying that he was going to come personally and tell the sports team where they were going to be affected to the following season, what they're, if they were going to get promoted and what villages they were going to go to next. And he was going to come and do that in person. It was all a lie. He was never planning on coming, but he sent the letter. So we had the sports team getting all excited about their special visitor who was coming to maybe promote Joker or Luca to chief here or there or, or tell them what their next villages were going to be. They were all lined up in an even at an after the show, after crazy signs, they were all lined up at the arrival area, dressed in their best, all the girls with cocktails ready for Xavier to show up. And the limo pops up. And out jumps all of animation, all of excursions, dressed as chickens and ducks and the duck dance playing at full blast. And we just danced around them and left. And the, <laughs> the look on their faces <laughs> was, there was some people who were like, but wait a minute, they need to move. Xavier's coming. And we're like, no, no, he's, he was never coming. Uh, you guys oh, those, just got played. <laughs> those poor deers, they still didn't realize, right? They'd been had. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the ones that did, like Joker got it right away. And his face was just one of absolute shock. <laughs> <laughs> and was uh, was Barbara part of your team? Barbara Bertanza, was she? Anyway? Yes. Yes. Okay. She loved it. She was okay. she was fully part of this. And she was like, yep, let's get Joker. <laughs> she signed off, right? Okay. Yeah. And I had Eve Godet was my uh, chief of excursions. Eve is from Mauritius. And he um, looks a little bit like Tiger Woods. So another con we played was dressing him up like Tiger Woods and 
uh, faking that Tiger was coming to the village for the day. And we we got several GMs and some GOs with that gag. So you put him in a, a red uh, polo, black mm-hmm. Nike Red hat. Nike shirt. Okay, yep. okay yeah. <laughs> yep. Again, had him show up from outside of the village, kind of coming in. Yeah, that was nice. Sign, sign some autographs for the kids, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was nice. Good times. Yeah, sounds like. Yeah, I, I, that's just where you and I just missed each other because I did the season right after you with Angie. So, yeah, uh, that's, that's too bad. There was no yeah. prank. Was little, I guess the prank was toned down a bit when I was there. You know, not not nothing like what you're saying. That's so. Yeah, well, I think once there. you do what what we did, there was nowhere to go from there. We'd also previously before that long con with Xavier, we had programmed their laptop to whenever you hit the space bar it would play the duck dance so or the chicken dance so they were they were that that was our theme was the duck dance so when they saw the duck dance and us jumping out that's why they were okay. they knew it was a, a gag okay. <laughs> those poor yeah. four horsemen oh boy <laughs> yeah but i was there actually when they first started calling themselves that they didn't call themselves that the season that I was there was when they all four got together and started calling themselves the four horsemen. But the four horsemen of what? They didn't have a, a an ending. No, so they were supposed right? to be okay. they were supposed to be the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but they didn't want to be okay. apocalyptic, so they were just the four horsemen. Just in the disco, am I right, guys? Oh, just kidding, just kidding, guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> never touched a drop. Okay. No, never. <laughs> Love you, Joker. Uh, I, I live five minutes from Joker, so he'll. It was he'll, he'll also think that's funny. Okay. We also had a blast because it was the World Cup, um, and so Luca uh, and I could talk a lot about the World Cup because of obviously my passion for Italy and the Italian team, and he he had it as well. So we spent a lot of time watching World Cup. Okay. Now Preston Butte's beckoning you, so you yes. did Preston Butte about three times with Ryan Leach, Gus, Joey Templin. Uh, also, your actually, IGO. Ryan, right, the four four times the the last four seasons of Crested Butte. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let me ask you just because you have such good stories. So, how do you go? Like you said, you went to Nashville for uh-huh. Country in the Rockies. I guess this was a big uh, music festival, and you got to bring the stars back on a charter yeah. plane. Plane. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Crested Butte, the resort there, even before Club Med was involved, would always host country in the Rockies and they would also host the Jimmy Carter Foundation uh, with President Carter so got to meet him as well but they would uh, so that continued even when Club Med took over that these two events would happen Uh, and the a lot of the geo team because especially animation mini club they weren't needed for these events so some geos would take off and actually have a week vacation and go to summer villages but some of us stayed behind And my job was, even though I was not part of the office team, they sent me to Nashville to pick up everyone and do their check-in before they uh, boarded the charter plane. So I would fly back with these big donors because it was a charity event, as well as the country music stars. And that was a blast because they would start playing music on the plane and, you know, start writing songs together and jam together. And I would explain to them what to expect at Club Med and how to join a ski class and that sort of stuff but yeah it was it was a lot of fun well give me an idea who some of these uh, country and western stars were um, let's see big and rich gretchen wilson will willie nelson came one year brooks and dunn came one year clint black and lisa hartman came kenny loggins yeah a few a few others it was jody messina it was great now was there extra security when willie nelson came uh any concerns uh, Okay. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, but there's some other geos who probably have some better stories with him than I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did he come? Did he ride by his bus? <laughs> yes. So I don't have those stories. Oh, okay. Got. Oh, so he did. Yeah. I heard his but, uh, um, tour, tour bus is legendary. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, no, um, my story is Kenny Loggins got to serenade me. Oh yes, please tell me this because I love me some Kenny Loggins. Yeah, Kenny Loggins. You know the song Maria from West Side Story. Yes. He changed the words to Shahima. No. Sang, sang at the top of his lungs, that song. So it was pretty great. And that was on stage at Club Med. So everyone got to hear it. Was it what's the main line on that? How do you, something about Maria? How do you? Oh, uh, no, no. I met a girl named Maria. So that one. Said, I met a girl named Shahima. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what's that like? Um, that was that was one of those moments. Again, this was kind of before we had the iPhones that we have now. Yes. So you didn't it wasn't recorded. So it's a it's the blessing and the curse of not having the technology. Like I'm so glad that there's a lot of things that were never recorded or photographed. But there's also times when you wish they were, and this is one of them. I wish that we had a video of that, but we don't. Do you even have a picture of it? Uh no. I don't even oh. have a picture with him. Oh god. Just, okay. It's a story that I know happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's cool. Come on, yeah. Teddy Loggins, man. Footloose. I know. Danger zone. <laughs> yeah, I know. But he and he did sing Danger Zone. Like there was a lot of us GOs that were li- oh. waiting for that moment to happen. Footloose was great, but nothing like Danger Zone. Oh wow, man. Yeah, no, I would have lost it if I heard him sing if I was there and he sang Danger Zone. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was um, yeah, that was it was really special those those weeks the the Nashville weeks and the Jimmy Carter event. Okay, and you also is it true that you closed both Copper and Crested like you were there for the yeah. closings? Yeah. So uh, w- by the time I kind of finished up my club med career, I was also helping out with the offices, um, and I'm I think we'll probably touch on that in a minute. But I closed out. Copper Mountain, we just basically shipped everything to Crested Butte. So that was very quick and and you didn't have to do a lot. But Crested Butte, we had to go through everything. And it was just myself and Victoria John. And that's it. And in a giant resort that was all closed down and it looked like The Shining. And it was just two of us. And it was really scary. But I kept getting really sentimental and looking at like the the wooden carved bears on the bar and saying, Oh, I wish I could take that with me. That carved bear means so much. But yeah, I was like walking with ghosts. It was pretty intense to shut those down. So, so most of the people had, had gone and you were like some of the last, well, this was uh, no, the the village had closed for the summer and then they decided not to reopen it. So they flew us back out there in like, I don't know, August, July, August to, to empty it. Just the two of us. (laughs) <laughs> wow so but you didn't go around a quarter and see two girls dressed in 1800 attire right saying will you play with us you didn't see anything like that right no okay no good. but i could have okay, okay. <laughs> it, could, well, it was well, that spooky. Well, well, well wait let's go back to paradise then because paradise is famous for ghost stories did you have any experience or not at all i, I didn't have any did you i had none no okay no. were people that worked there with you did yeah there was okay. a couple people who would say things about the about gray leaf but i didn't have that okay me neither i feel robbed no. in that in that, yeah. in that regard <laughs> well All right. i didn't have that experience that's okay i don't need to see a ghost no 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 <laughs> all right so around yeah so fall well yeah you mentioned the offices so you get involved with recruitment and affectations out of the miami office correct yeah yeah and you and you roomed with one young kate ferguson is this true? I did. I roomed with, I worked with Mary Thomas and lived with Kate Ferguson. And I got to work with Thomas Somle when he was the head of HR and uh, Alicia Sim and Antonio were the other people. And that was our little team. And we had a blast. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot okay. of fun to find the geos, place the geos, discuss what the geos should or shouldn't be doing. And then when the hurricanes hit, we had to get the geos out of whatever village they were in and also hold their parents off. And that was something else. What do you, what do you mean? Hold their parents off? Well, their parents were like, where's my child? Where's my child? Get me my child. But of course there was no communication and you didn't want to tell them that not only had we evacuated Cancun, but they were just fine inland in a hotel, having a party where their parents were just, you know, worried, sick, not knowing where their child's were, their children were, but wow. No one ever got everyone out. No one ever called me for the six or seven I went through. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> well, wait, before yes. we go on, uh, settle this debate, this, de- you know, decades long debate, Kate Ferguson, tidy roommate. Yes or no? Absolutely. Okay. Good, good, good. Okay. That's what I thought, you know, but you know, I, I heard other things, but never mind. Okay. <laughs> no, she was, she was very tidy. She was very um, into fitness at the time. So after, after working, we she she was doing Aikido at the time. Really? So, yeah. Wow. Way into her martial arts. Don't want to mess with her. Yeah. So but I will tell you that she needs a cup of coffee every morning. If she does not have her cup of coffee, 
She's a little puddle of on the floor, an emotional okay. mess. Okay. So you know not to talk to her before the coffee. Right? No. So if she's no. a tidy one, did that make you the messy one? Oh, definitely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you also said that on one summer, I think summer 2006, you helped David Mayer and Turks with the Renault. So the Renault group came. Did they buy out the yep. village? Yeah, it was, a, it was a buyout. And again, there were a lot of different geos who I knew and Turks at that point, David and I were good friends and I was at the, uh, in the offices and he just said, Hey, can you come over? There's, there are a lot of them that are Italian and I need help with translating. So just whenever he would do his intros or talk to the big groups and do his welcomes, he would have me translated into Italian and then just be in the village to help with any language issues that might've come up. And how did that so, go overall? That was it was fun. a good week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a good week. It was good, good times. I forgot to ask you two stories about your, I think it was your first season. Do you mind if we go back a sec? Because I, no, I really not at all. Ha- when I hear a story that's uh, condensed to stranded on the highway with 11 French lawyers, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to kick myself if I don't ask you about it. So <laughs> can, you, can you explain what, how you were stranded on the highway with 11 French lawyers? It was my very first day. So I had arrived on a, let's say on a Friday and on a Saturday. So I haven't even been in the resort for 24 hours at Club Med. Mary Lee Sanders, who was the regional for excursions at the time, uh, was training me. And she said, "Okay, we're going to SeaWorld tomorrow and get up early. And we we have uh, 11 French lawyers are doing a, a group bonding activity and we're taking them to SeaWorld in in two vans. And so off we we went, but both both vans broke down um, right next to each other. And so we were stranded literally for about three, four hours on the side of the Florida Turnpike with 11 French lawyers uh, waiting to get to SeaWorld, which we never got to. And that's where my French kicked into a whole different gear because they didn't speak a word of English. And we had to make conversation for three or four hours with lawyers after a bus breakdown. So yeah, I, I learned French fast. This sounds like a setup for like, like a lawyer joke, right? Doesn't it? Like, yeah, <laughs> it does. I know. Okay. But okay. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I also oh. forgot to mention the, you had a, uh, well, I guess a, a minor bus accident. No one got hurt returning mm-hmm. from, from Disney world. Correct. Yeah. Uh, that one was, I, I know I had transportation issues in Florida. The bus went off the side of the road into the swamp and uh, we were at an angle in the swamp. So they couldn't take us off the bus very easily. Uh, and because we were in, so far into the swamp, they had to build a bridge to get us out. So that took a long time so that we could get over crocs and snakes and any other gators or ants or whatever it was that they were worried that we would get uh, involved in so took took a little while for them to build a bridge to rescue us but then once they did we uh we made it safely back to sandpiper and i held it together i mean i was 22 at the time and uh you know when you're responsible for lots of little kids and their parents and you're worried that someone could be hurt because it could have been serious but it wasn't you hold it together you kick into a whole different gear and then when i got back to the resort i fell apart Howard was there. Remy, uh, Guillaume Gentil was my chief of excursions at the time. So Howard, Remy, Steve Cohn, Teresita, of course, and um, the guy I was seeing at the time, they all took me into the office and they had lined up every single alcohol you can imagine there. And they're like, if you need a shot, whatever you want, it's right here. And I think I burst into tears at that point. So it seems like you know, this is something like going to any school, let alone Harvard, doesn't teach you, right? Like when you're nope. when you're, you're thrown in a situation like that. No, no. But if you're going to handle things, I, I I guess it tested the ability to handle situations. And the well, answer yeah. is yes, I can handle it until yeah. I'm home safe. Yeah. Once you're in, you know, crocodile, alligator infested waters, then, you know, anything else after that, right? Prank war with Joker? Bring it on, right? I mean, Bring it on. <laughs> yes. The more creative, the better. All right. Well, you had such a, a an amazing career. I, I do like to know, or would like to know, who you who you enjoyed working with. Is there anyone that stood out for you? Whether it was a chief of village, chief of service, geo. I mean, I think for me, I got really lucky with my chiefs of services in particular because I I really loved um, who I worked with on my teams, and that made a difference. So, so many people 
meant a lot to me, but the ski team in particular will always be special. So whether it was Gilles Wagner's or Stéphane Decobert, who were running the ski school, Victoria, of course, Lynn Johnston, some of our Paula Fishman, so much fun with Paula. Paula and I are like sisters. Yeah, just uh, great people, wonderful people. And do you do you still go back to Club Med? Like, do you go for reunions or for vacation at all? No, no. Nope. I think that the magic was those seasons, and if 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 it's possible to recreate that, then great. But I still am in touch with a lot of my Club Med friends: uh, Maggie Cunningham, Michelle Flynn, Mark Ogawa, Shannon Brown. Like, we are still in touch. Robel, that's someone you should talk to sometime. Robel Teclamarium and his Olympics experience. I helped him with that. Say that name again. Robel Teclamarium was a ski instructor, but he competed for Ethiopia in cross-country skiing. And I helped him with getting getting his Olympic bid going. Okay, hold um, on. Just, just is this this sounds like a <laughs> cool runnings type of thing where Jamaica had a bump. So, so totally Ethiopia was. has a cross-country. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I did not know that. All right, because <laughs> I, I, I was about to ask you what, what where is he from with a name like that? Because that's an unusual name. So you answered it. Okay, <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty cool. I did not know that. Wow. Ethiopia right. by way of Lake Placid, New York. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, is there anything? Is there one thing you miss? I mean, you've had time to think about it. You know, winter's coming, so I, I tend to miss a lot more when winter comes around. Is there anything you miss? Was it the shows, the food, the people? Definitely the people. I miss the food. It was so nice to have that food. In particular, the croissants and the bread. Oh, my goodness. The bread. White, cho- white chocolate bread? It was not my favorite. No. Oh, okay. uh, I, was the, I was the croissant, definitely. Um, and their baguettes. But, but yeah, just uh, the food. The, the, the ability to have that much variety at your fingertips is pretty great. I miss the languages. I, might, I miss being able to talk to people from all different walks of life in every kind of language. And I do miss the mountains. I do miss Copper and Crested Butte. Those are special places. I wish they were still around and that people could experience those villages. Yeah, you seem like that was a very, very fun time uh, of your life, right? The, uh, the yeah, ski villages. Absolutely. Okay. And the people that they, because again, when you're a ski instructor, you're coming year after year, it's the same instructors and they're all sort of older so it was a, a more mature geo crowd and again seasoned seasoned vets awesome okay shahima we are coming to the uh end of the interview but like i always do i like just take a moment to ask you if there's something i forgot to ask you or something you wanted to say something you wanted to add yeah i would add that one of the the main reasons that we as a ski team and that why crested butte and copper mountain were so important Um, was that we tragically lost two of our instructors to a car accident in one of my seasons, Daniel Stinky Ward and Chantal Boyer, and they were had just been married. And so it was a very tragic moment. But I think it bonded those of us in the mountains so closely together, that it just became even more of a family when you go through something like that, that we stayed in touch, and we continue to stay in touch. I think I hear from the ski instructors of Copper and Crested Butte all the time. And it's it's a lovely, wonderful feeling. Sounds like you have quite the bond. Yeah. Yeah. Now, looking at the, the notes you sent me, you graduated Harvard, weren't ready for the real world yet. So are you glad that you are you glad that you did it? You, you, you don't seem to have. You don't seem to be someone with with regrets by by talking to you, but uh, I assume that you're you're glad you took the plunge. Absolutely, I think that it was on a on a total whim, without a lot of thought going into it. But I am so glad I did it. I would encourage anyone and everyone to try something that pushes them out of their comfort zone, to try and and do something off the beaten path that gets you outside, working with people your own age, trying different languages, travel somehow as a part of it. It teaches you so much more. I think I, I one, at one point I got hired for a job and I asked them if it, if it was because of my education. And they said, of course, your education helps. 
But really, it was Club Med because it's such a breath of fresh air, and it shows that you're you're someone who can work in all kinds of conditions, very long hours with all different types of people. And I think that's a that's a, a real blessing that that Club Med has given all of us. Oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. That's cool. Yep. All right. True. And and would you recommend it for someone who was you know maybe on the fence about applying? Should they try it for six months or a year? Sure. Why not? I don't know what the club met is like now, but, but why not? There's nothing wrong with trying anything. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but try it. That's right. Well said. Well said. Well, Shahima, you've been so kind with us sharing your stories. I really do want to thank you for that and for saying, for saying yes to this experience. So uh, believe me, I, I really do thank you. I really thank appreciate you for having it. Me. No, this, is, this, is, this has been awesome. It's so nice to finally talk to the person you know, I've been hearing about for so many years, you know, via Joker. <laughs> it's uh, a trip down memory lane and I love it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> oh, no, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Thank now, you. Uh, here's the part where we say goodbye to all our listeners. If you'd like to say goodbye for us. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Take care, everyone. See y'all next week with a new episode. Bye. Bye.